Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Rosso Santalev. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. My guest in this episode, TJ Murphy, he's the owner of High Digital in Bend, Oregon. He decided to leave his corporate job when he found out that many of the business owners in his community did not know much about digital marketing, and he was excited to show them and make their businesses grow. TJ, welcome to the Success Secret Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, brother. Awesome, awesome, awesome to have you here on the show. I get the idea that you had a job and you quit to help the businesses in your community. What other ideas that made you want to quit your job? Or was it that the only reason for that? Yeah, so when I graduated college, I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in life. My girlfriend at the time had just taken a job down in the Bay Area working for a startup. So I was one term behind her in college. And when I graduated, I, I moved down and had this idea that I wanted to be a marketing consultant. But I quickly learned that being fresh out of college with a degree, but no real world job experience, no real marketing experience, it's really hard to get a job as a marketing consultant. So I interviewed, <laughs> I, I put applications out for months and months, and I eventually caught a break, not as a marketing consultant, but I got a job initially as a marketing intern for a big multinational property management company and worked my way up over the first few months and ultimately became the marketing manager for one of their properties in Alameda, California. And so this was a great opportunity for me because I got to work with small business owners. Basically, we were a big shopping center with about 100 tenants. A lot of those were like big name brands like Macy's and and the big box stores. But the majority of them were mom and pop shops, small business owners that really didn't know how to market their businesses. So I was their main guide, if you will. And, And all of these business owners would come to me to talk about strategy and we would run our own corporate campaigns for you know the property as a whole to drive foot traffic and put on events and that kind of stuff. But then I would really get into the weeds helping these individual business owners market their own businesses. So I got a lot of real world experience that is actually what you know kind of gave me the inspiration to start a marketing agency originally. But as you mentioned, kind of got burnt out on the corporate nine to five. There wasn't a whole lot of upward mobility in this role. My wife and I kind of realized that we didn't really like living in the big city, living in the Bay Area, especially. It's a great place to visit for us, but we thrive outdoors, in nature, smaller communities. And so we decided and made a commitment that we were going to leave our corporate jobs and travel the world. And we didn't know how we were going to make it happen. We didn't have a whole lot of money at that point. So we saved up for the next 11 months or so working these jobs until we got to the point where 
we had enough money in the bank and we gave our two weeks notices. We bought one-way tickets to Southeast Asia and ended up going on a grand adventure that lasted about 14 months, traveling to 14 different countries. And during that time, I met all of these digital nomads, people that were working from their computers, starting and scaling businesses, investing in cryptocurrency and making millions of dollars because that's when Bitcoin was on the boom. And I got the, the itch. I wanted to do what they were doing. So as I was talking to these folks, I was asking questions and really learning how I could take the skills that I had and turn that into a business that would allow me to serve people from anywhere in the world and have that location independence and be able to grow a business that was mine instead of having to clock in and clock out working for someone else's dream. And yeah, so- actually, I get it. I still do get it. But but like... And you did it not by yourself. You did it with your uh, with your wife, right? So yeah, initially, initially, yeah, yeah. she she has a new job, a career that she loves now. So she's less involved in the the day to day of the business. But she was instrumental in helping me get it started. Yeah, cool, awesome. But didn't you think that, like, even if you saved like for a six or a year savings in your bank account, did you think that? Maybe it could fail or did you see success as the only option? You know, for us at that time, we we weren't happy and we weren't having a lot of joy in what we were doing. So for us, this was kind of a fail safe experiment. We knew that we were going to leave the jobs and have to, to find something new. We knew we were going to move anyway, and we'd never gone and, and really traveled the world together. So we figured why wait until we're old and, and able to retire let's do this now while we can really maximize everything that we we want to do and then get the most out of this adventure and so we had enough in the bank and traveling to you know where we were mostly in southeast asia you know our dollar could go really far we were able to stretch out you know a budget of about $10,000 into 14 months of of living pretty lavishly you know, overall, we would stay in hostels and, and do some cheaper things, but you know, we would also stay at, at nice resorts and, and splurge some of the time as well. And we got to do everything that we really wanted to along the way. Yeah, that, that's awesome. A lot of people want to do that now, especially like everything is changing. Corporate jobs is becoming more and more tedious, I guess. So so you you mentioned that you help basically the small shops, the small business owners, these kind of places that don't know how they can get more foot in the door, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you help them with that? Actually, I was reading a post on Facebook like two hours ago. Someone asked this question, how I can get more foots in the door in my little shop? So a lot of them mentioned running Facebook ads or YouTube ads or these kind of things. So what do you recommend these people do? Yeah, it's a great question. So when we're meeting with a business owner, whether they're just getting started in their business or they're doing a few million dollars in revenue and really just need to scale things to the next level. We're always going to start with sitting down with the business owners, the key stakeholders, and really diving into what is currently working well for them, where the opportunities lie, and then how we can build a bridge between where they are now and where they want to go. More often than not, we're finding that most business owners, they don't have a clear idea of what marketing strategies are working well in their business. They just don't have the data to back it up. So they're doing what we call random acts of marketing. They might have a Facebook ad campaign going on over here that's being managed by 
one agency. They might have another agency that's helping them with their SEO. They might have a nephew doing their social media, all these different <laughs> things that, that aren't working together in unison and creating synergy. And they don't really know what the ROI is from any one of these efforts. So that's something that we need to set up foundationally in the beginning, making sure that we have easy, clear ways of collecting data and being able to show them, okay, if we're going to run a Google ad, a PPC campaign, these are the keywords that are most profitable for you. These are the keywords that aren't. And here's why. Now let's focus on what's going to bring you the most amount of money so that we can increase your ROI from these channels and move on to focusing on other areas of marketing. And same goes with everything else. We want to put a dollar sign on everything that we're doing for our clients that they know exactly what they're getting out of this partnership. It's not a guessing game of, yeah, well, they send us a performance report every month and we think things are going well, but we don't actually know what we're getting in return from a financial standpoint. Yeah, so exactly. at the beginning and at the end, it really just boils down to having clear data. Yeah, so awesome. So like you mentioned, a lot of people who are running the business don't know what exactly are their key metrics that they should focus on more, especially if they are like doing multiple things and from different angles, different sides. So for example, now if a certain business or an entrepreneur that have a business that want results like quickly, like now, for example. Yeah. So what are the things that you do step by step to help them getting results quickly? Yeah, it's a great question as well. So it all is going to depend on you know what their business is. Where are their clients, their customers hanging out online? Where are they searching for what they offer? And so in the case of most service-based businesses, for example, where are people going? They're going to Google. <laughs> if they have a need, you know, if we're talking about a plumber and my pipe breaks and I don't already have a plumber that I know and trust, I'm going to Google and I'm going to type in the best plumbers near me or something like that. And so for a local business owner, especially having a search presence, when people are looking for the searches, the keywords that are the most relevant to what you offer, your most profitable services, you need to be showing up on the first page and in those top positions. Otherwise, those customers are going to your competitors, plain and simple. So in the short term, if you're not already ranking well organically, you haven't been investing in SEO over the years prior to this, the best short-term strategy is always going to be running search campaigns. So through Google ads, believe it or not, especially older generations are still searching on search engines like Bing. So Microsoft ads can be a good strategy as well, but making sure again, that when we're going to be paying for these clicks through a PPC campaign, we're honing in on what keywords, what services are going to be the most profitable for the business. You know, if they have a a very low profit margin service that they do, but it's not really something that brings a whole lot of impact into their business. We don't necessarily want to blow a bunch of budget on that. We want to focus on the things that are going to bring them the most revenue. Mm -hmm. And so Google ads PPC is always one strategy for short-term success that we're going to have in your roadmap. Now, for example, you mentioned the CEO. So do you recommend building this let's say working on seo because we know that seo needs time for a website to like yeah. get traction get organic visits from google or bing or yahoo or whatever search engine people are using so how do you for example help people on the organic side of things 
Yeah. Like you said, you know, SEO takes time and it's one of those shiny objects that, you know, gets a lot of buzz. So every week we have business owners coming to us that say, oh, we need SEO. We need SEO. We need SEO. And when we sit down, we're always going to ask them, okay, but in your business right now, is your goal to really ramp up your revenue and increase your profits in the next couple months? Or are you looking ahead to next year and your growth and scalability for the long term? Mm-hmm. And if they're saying, well, no, I need, I need leads now. Like we're, we're kind of hurting business-wise. And I'm going to say, okay, you know, SEO is important. We want you to succeed for years to come. And SEO is the vehicle to take you there. But if you need leads right now, we need to look at short-term strategies. We need to look at Google ads. We need to look at Microsoft ads, Google guaranteed. We need to look at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. It all depends on where your customers are going to be the most likely to take action. But again, for a service-based business, which we work with primarily, PPC, Google ads, all of Google's products, those are the the short-term vehicles. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to SEO for a business that is ready to look for long-term marketing strategies that are going to set them up for long-term success, then absolutely. We're going to implement an SEO strategy that's built around creating relevant content that's going to help them rank for the keywords that are most important to them improving their domain authority through a backlinking strategy, doing all the on-site optimizations, all the technical stuff. But more often than not, it's just not what business owners necessarily need right here and now. So in order to generate leads quickly for the business, for example, what is the, let's say the best frame to work on, or for example, let's say the best kind of landing pages because people who visit the website online they go to a certain page, right? So what is the best, let's say, structure for that page to have on? Is it should be a simple page or should it be like a big page with explanations and FAQ, FAQs and these kind of things and testimonials? Yeah. So when it comes to SEO, you, know, you do need to have content. You know, that's, that is what is telling the search engine what you're talking about on that page. And especially when you're competing with other companies that are investing in SEO, having enough words on the page is important and having the right keywords on there is important. But at the same time, what a lot of people miss is the user experience. If I'm a customer and I'm going on Google and I've got a problem and I'm looking for a solution, the goal should be to take them from searching for you or searching for that problem, finding you, and then path of least resistance to the next action step. And so keeping it super simple at the end of the day for landing pages, if we're going to be talking about a paid ad strategy, you know, giving people the social proof, giving them the information they need, but not getting into having a more long form page that's just going to probably send somebody back to Google and looking for another competitor instead, that's important. But when it comes to SEO, you definitely need to have a lot more content strategy in mind and long form, you know, tends to do better in a lot of cases. Yeah. So if you want to focus a little bit more on running the ads, uh, there is a lot of things that have, uh, for example, on Google ads, but mostly they run like text ads. They don't have like some kind of uh, image. I don't think Google, you can have images in the ad. Do you think an image will make a difference in the ad or the text should be compelling enough and competitive enough that reaching 
the one spot because a lot of times that I always keep say see, seeing that and I see it myself when you are a number one in whatever it is they are you are number one in a featured podcast in my own podcast or yeah uh, number one uh, in Google or whatever it is number one gets most of the clicks so how can you differentiate yourself in this area to get the click yeah. at first so you know when we're talking about meta descriptions meta titles or the actual headlines and descriptions we're putting into a Google search campaign Yes, it needs to have the right keywords in there. It needs to check all of Google's boxes in terms of the quality and relevance. But at the end of the day, it needs to drive people to take action. So you need to have a compelling headline that answers the question that the person searching for is having. And then in the description, you need to sell yourself in a very limited amount of space. You know, you get 150, 160 characters, whatever it is, or 90 in the case of... Um, a Google ad search campaign to sell yourself. And you need to have the right keyword in there, but you also need to make sure that your description is going to be more compelling than your competitors. So one thing to do is actually go and make those searches. See what your competitors are showing up with. How can you do better than them? How can you be more unique? How can your brand stand out and really speak to the human connection that ultimately will lead somebody to take action and visit your site over theirs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Because uh, so, do you recommend, for example, for people checking out these what they call the spy tools to see what their competitors are doing? Do yeah. I recommend? Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's lots of tools out there that you can use for keyword research. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a local business owner and you want to see what other local business owners are doing, you don't even have to use tools necessarily. They can be helpful, but you can just go on Google and search for plumbers near me, and you're going to see all the competitors that are running Google ads. You're going to see who's ranking at the top in both Google My Business, Google Maps positions, and in the top 10 of websites. And from there, you can learn a lot. You can see, oh, wow, they, you know, they, they don't even have a very comprehensive description in here. It's just pulling dynamically from the website, and it doesn't make sense. Like, I can do better than that. Or, oh, these guys are really doing well here. I like that. How can I tweak it and make it better and make it more on brand for me and drive people to take action? Um, yeah, exactly. And then the tools are great as well. You want to know what people are searching for, what, what is relevant, what has good search volume, what's more competitive than others so that you can build a strategy that isn't going to blow your budget and will give you the best path to profit. In general, does it always like the more budget you have on a, on a campaign the more you pay, is it always going to bring in more money or there are some cases where you have seen or worked on that did not really was successful as it should be? Yeah, so there's kind of two ends to that. If you're in a very competitive market, when it comes to PPC, Google ads, this is a, a bidding war. Whoever has more budget to spend and thus can pay more per click, they're going to show up in the top position more often. And when it comes to, you know, can you, you know, kind of cap out the amount of budget? Yeah. I mean, if there's only, say, 2,000 people searching for plumbing services in your small town every month, then there's only so much inventory to bid on. And depending on how many people are bidding on it, there's going to be diminishing returns from how much you can spend. But the key is not having a budget that's too low 
that's going to basically price you out of the market and always put you in lower positions consistently. So finding that sweet spot that's affordable for you that you can actually allocate to your marketing budget, but that's going to make you competitive in that bidding war. And then if you have the budget and you can be the dominant player, finding that kind of cap and finding the sweet spot where you're getting the lowest cost per click, that's still putting you in the highest position, you're getting the lowest cost per conversion, whatever your you know, trackable leads are, phone calls, form submissions, sales in the case of e-commerce, and you know, really working through the data to understand what budget is bringing you the highest ROI. Yeah. So can you you give us some numbers, like, for example, when you are running an ad, should we know, like, for example, we have some certain product or service, we are selling it for certain amount of uh, certain amount of dollars. And we have this lead generation uh, campaign and ad campaign. So how, how do you look at the numbers? Like, for example, do you get people, for example, for the initial offers for free, basically you don't make money out of it and let's say upsell and make some profit from there? Or should someone start from the beginning and the first offer should be making money from there? How do you put the numbers? Yeah. So again, it's it's going to be very different depending on what your business is. If you're you know, some sort of coach, consultant, you know, maybe you do have a free or low cost intro offer, which is your foot in the door to your high ticket program or, or whatever it is that you sell. And so running, you know, social media campaigns might be a better strategy for that. Getting in front of your ideal customers, retargeting people that have already engaged with you, that are on your email list, that have purchased a product already, but didn't convert into a higher ticket program, having that, you know, low barrier to entry for your ideal client that gets them in. And then now you've got your sales funnel, you've got your process for taking them into the program, the product, whatever it is that's going to bring you money. In the case of like a local service-based business, no, we want to we want to make sure that if somebody has a problem, we're just positioning you as the authority, as the best solution for that problem. And you're you're charging full price. You know, that's that's just the name of the game. Um but it's very different. It just depends on each business and what their goals are. So that's part of our initial discovery process as well, is really digging into how they go about that sales funnel. Mm-hmm. What what are they doing from step A to step Z to take someone from cold traffic to a paying customer? And how can we optimize that whole process to be able to increase their conversion rate and increase their lifetime value of the customer in the long run? Yeah, because I I read once that in general any person needs like some like between seven or maybe ten times to mm-hmm. see the message until they decided to purchase or not. So is that case true? Have it gone up or has it gone lower than that? I, I think it's I think it's gone up. There's there's newer data that says it's it takes even more touch points to convert. And you know again it's all going to be dependent on your industry, what you're selling, where you're targeting people, but you need to have a comprehensive marketing strategy. If somebody is visiting your site from a Google ad or from an organic click through you know, your SEO efforts and they don't convert when they visit your site, well, we want to be sure to, to not just end the game there. How can we stay top of mind with them? How can we retarget them through 
other Google ad products through the display network on YouTube, using newer performance max campaigns that'll help get in front of them in their, you know, Gmail inbox, perhaps, or we're going to run a Facebook remarketing campaign or Instagram, or if it's a younger generation, how can we get in front of these people on TikTok? How can we get their email and start doing email marketing? You don't want to randomly do these things, but you want to create an ecosphere to be able to take somebody from not converting on that initial interaction, getting those 7, 12, 15 touch points or whatever it's going to take, staying top of mind so that they remember, oh yeah, that's that's the company I need to call. You've just been so ingrained in their head that they're who you think about when they have X problem that you solve. So what excites you more about the industry digital marketing itself? What's the most thing that you love about it? For me, it's it's really just about working with the small business community, solving problems for business owners. More often than not, they're coming feeling pretty overwhelmed when it comes to marketing. They don't know what to do. They've tried things in the past. They haven't worked. They've gotten burned by another marketing agency that basically just took their money. And so you know, we really try to come in and build a long-term partnership where we're in the trenches helping to build and grow their business, but they're joining us in the trenches. It's We need feedback. We need direct communication. This isn't something that you just set it and forget it and pay your monthly retainer or whatever it is. You need to be invested in your marketing as well. Not that you need to do a ton of work, but there's got to be good communication. So when I'm partnering with somebody, that's what I'm looking for. Are they just looking for kind of a last ditch effort here to try to make marketing work? Or are they invested in the long-term success of their campaigns and ultimately their business? And when we can find that synergy, that's what gets me excited. Really being able to come in and, and provide the solutions to help somebody grow. And then seeing the impact that that has in their community. It's not just impacting their business. It's impacting everybody that they, they get to serve. And then the community as a whole as well. So what excites you being an entrepreneur and a business owner that you quit your corporate job and transition to being an entrepreneur? How does that feel? How do, how do you feel about being working yourself, especially with maybe some days you need some motivation to work? Do you feel like sometimes not like working or how do you deal with these kind of things or setbacks in your life in general? Yes, man. I mean, you basically trade one set of struggles for for another. Entrepreneurship <laughs> isn't easy. Nobody nobody that's saying that is is being honest because it is a, a struggle at times. I mean, you go through all the learning and, and hurdles that you have to overcome to find success actually growing your business. But then along with that, there's the mental game. I mean, imposter syndrome is real, especially in this world of social media where we are constantly being shown other people that at least what they're showing us on social media makes them more of an authority, more successful, you know, whatever the case may be, we're comparing all the time. And that's something that I've really had to learn to, to work through is, is not be caught up in the game that somebody else is playing. I'm playing my game and I'm my own worst enemy. I'm the person that I'm competing against at the end of the day. And so if I can wake up, put in the work, do what I know I need to do, that's all that matters. And especially if I'm doing it in service of others and helping people. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not easy when you're you're caught in the the grind. You're, you know, maybe you're trading a corporate nine to five where you're working 40, 50 hours, but in your business, you know, you should be working at least that. And once you get to a point where you can step back and, you know, take 
take more time off, have more structure where maybe you don't have to work as long of hours, which I'm starting to get into, then, you know, you can reap those rewards, but especially in the beginning, that's not the case. You've, you've got to hustle and you've got to learn a lot and find the the path to creating shortcuts, finding mentors, finding coaches, if that's what you need, finding a tribe of people that are all working towards the same goals where you can collaborate and share resources and learn from each other's mistakes so that you don't have to go and make that same mistake. Uh, that's what's been huge for me is really just finding a community that I can leverage, that I can learn with, that I can also provide value for. And when you're doing that, good things just seem to fall into place. Luck mm -hmm. finds you more easily. What thing or things that you would say not personally good at and you would like to move away from? No, not what I'd like to move away from. Um, you know, I mean, working on mindset stuff is is always going to be something that I'm working through and moving away from the negative. So whether that's focusing on breath work or meditation or reading books to to help kind of break through some barriers I might be experiencing or, you know, talking through problems with people, you know, really trying to move away from, eliminate the the ghosts in the closet, if you will. I guess we're coming up on Halloween, so that's a good metaphor. But the things that will ultimately hold me back from achieving and realizing my full potential, because I think I mentioned earlier, like, I'm my own worst enemy. I think we're all our own worst enemy at times. And that happens up here. The, the thoughts that we tell ourselves that aren't leading to being our most authentic, genuine, productive, successful selves. So that's what I'm always trying to move away from at the end of the day. Outside of that, I live a pretty fun life. I spend a lot of time outdoors in nature, going on adventures with friends. So having the freedom to be able to do that stuff from my business has been a real blessing for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So what would you say some tools or resources or maybe books that you read or recommend to people? Yeah, I mean, I think the the number one thing that I wish I had done differently when I started my business was finding a community of people and not trying to do everything myself. Like I was wearing every hat in my business. I was trying to learn and, and go through all the mistakes and fail fast, but Now I, I have a great team around me. I have a community around me of other marketing agencies where we can all share resources. We can learn from each other's mistakes. If I have a question, I know who to ask. And so it's not that hard to find that, you know, especially today. There are Facebook groups, there are online communities. Even if you don't have that connection with people in real life, there are so many opportunities out there to find your tribe. And at the end of the day, It's human nature. People like helping people. All you have to do is ask. And mm -hmm. so that's something that I, I recommend to anyone, whether you're starting a business or you're just working through some sort of problem or you have a hobby, find a community of people that all share that common goal, that common interest, and, and really tap into it. Try to provide value. Try to be a resource for others. And that will help you get the help you need when you need it. Outside mm -hmm. of that, I, I love podcasts. I listen to a lot of the Tim Ferriss show. That's my probably number one go-to. And, you know, if you're a, a marketing or just somebody looking for good, sound business advice, follow Alex Hermosi. That guy's a legend putting out such amazing content right now. And yeah, those would be a few recommendations I'd have. Awesome. So if, they, if there's people who want to learn more about you or about your business, TJ, where they can get in touch with you? 
Yeah. Um, they can learn more about height at heightdigital.com slash bend, B-E-N-D. That's my location. Um, I'm on all the socials. People can find me. Facebook, I am TJ Murphy. Uh, Instagram, I am TJ Murphy. LinkedIn should just be TJ Murphy. You'll find me a pretty recognizable face. I also have a podcast called Adventurous Entrepreneurs that'll be coming out here later this month. So you can oh, check uh, awesome. check check that one out as well. It'll be on all the platforms and also be on YouTube and we'll be having some fun conversations. So especially for people that want to learn from adventurous entrepreneurs out there killing it in the world and have some really tactical insights to take away that they can apply to their own businesses. It'll be a good resource to check out. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today with me in this episode. Insightful. Yeah, thanks for having Enjoyed me. It's been fun. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.